the Imposter Syndrome Files. I am so grateful that you're here, and I really hope that you've been enjoying the conversations that you've been listening to, and hopefully finding some tips, some next steps that you can take if you struggle with similar feelings of self-doubt, which obviously, as you're hearing, are fairly universal. This is something that we all go through from time to time. When I started this podcast, my goal was really to try to normalize the experience, to let everybody know that you are not alone, that there's a name for what you're feeling, and that there are steps that we can be taking to manage it more effectively. What I have found over the course of these conversations has been fascinating. I have had an absolutely powerful and different conversation with every single person who I have interviewed. I worried at one point that there may not be enough to talk about. How much is there to say about imposter syndrome? Are the stories gonna start to get repetitive? That has absolutely not been the case. Everyone brings a fascinating new perspective to this conversation. I have learned something from every discussion that we've had. I hope you have too. I wanna make a note that many of these recordings are being done during the social distancing that's happening with coronavirus. I am doing my best to protect the sound quality, but we are all in homes that have pets, kids, all kinds of background noise going on. For me, it's much more important to share with you a very natural conversation between two people than it is to share a perfectly polished recording. So I hope that you will bear with us if there are moments where the sound is not perfect. Uh, Really, my goal is to share stories, not to provide perfectly scripted, perfectly polished audio. So apologies for any imperfections that may be coming through in the recordings, but I'm hoping that you're getting the essence of the message regardless. So thank you again for being here. I wish you all the best and hope that you will consider sharing your own story one day. Thanks again. Welcome, Erica. Thank you so much for being here today. I would love to start by asking you to introduce yourself. Just tell us as much as you're comfortable sharing about yourself. And, you know, you don't have to reveal your your full name if you're not comfortable doing so, but we'd love to hear a little bit more about you. Um, Thank you for having me, Kim. I am a, um, I'm a lead programmer analyst um, and a research laboratory. Um, we study the aging brain um, using MRI technology, um, and we run pipelines to analyze that that data. And um, pretty cutting edge when it comes to that kind of development. Um, my role in the laboratory is to lead a team of analysts, um, as well as a, um, a developer um, for our data management system. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the gist of what I do there. And then outside of my day job, uh, I am an artist and photographer as well. Um, so two sides of my coin there. <laughs> that's great. That's fascinating. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that too. Can you start just by telling me a little bit about what imposter syndrome means to you? How, how has it affected you as you've been on your own career path? Sure. Um, imposter syndrome to me is 
um, this tendency to have um, this feeling that I'm not good enough, I don't know enough, um, I wish I could be X while actually kind of already being X. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, I have this drive to learn and keep getting better and I can never get to that better point, like that better, no matter how much, um, no matter how much pro progress I get, there just seems to be this goal that is just like unattainable is what I would say an imposter syndrome is. That is such an interesting part of imposter syndrome that we see it primarily in really goal achievement oriented people. So it's high achievers who experience it. But like you're saying, if you're very goal oriented, there's always another goal out there. And so if you're measuring your own value and self-worth by your achievements, you're never going to reach that end point because there's always something more to know or learn. Right. Very true. Um, I was raised in a family. Um, well, we were farmers. My family was, um, my family, we were a bunch of farmers. Uh, still are actually. <laughs> and um, there was this really large leap um, when it came to degrees. Um, you know, my grandparents, I close to finishing high school, my uncle's PhDs. And um, I was raised that go to college, get your PhD, go to college, get your PhD. And that was so ingrained in me. Um, but that didn't happen for me. Um, I ended up with two masters, which do not equal a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for me, that's been something that has been hard for me to kind of get over. Like, I don't have that degree. Um, and I think that ties in with there's always this goal. There's always something else to learn. I think those two items for me are really, really quite similar. Mm. How does what you're describing show up in your ordinary life or career? Is, is it something that you experience consistently? Do you notice what triggers it? Um, yes. So my struggle is that right now I'm in academia um, and surrounded by PhDs. And if you have the degree, they are more likely to listen to you um, then they are a staff member and it's 100% true. Like if you're a PhD in academia, you're making the calls no matter what. Um, and staff really have not so much power when it comes to the hierarchy. Um, and in another, on the other side is, um, when I got into photography, I don't have a formal education in photography. And I did a lot of time, like, researching what is it to be a professional photographer, you know, so I could learn what it is I needed to learn and hit whatever, like, do whatever I needed to do to convince the other professional photographers that I was a professional photographer. Um, 
And what that ended up doing was holding me back in my art because I was so concerned with all of this other stuff. Um, it was when I finally let go of that that I could start to be creative. And I can say that it's in both, you know, both of my careers. Like when I just let go of it and do what it is I'm good at, um, then, you know, then I start to thrive. It's when things start to kind of, when I start to think like, oh, you know, I, I don't have that degree or I don't have formal training or something. And then that kind of starts to gunk up the gears, I would say. Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation on your part because it sounds like it does show up in both paths as this sense of I need to prove myself because I don't have what I believe are the appropriate quote unquote credentials, right? So I'm, I have to, I have to show people that I deserve to be where I am. Yeah. So you mentioned that when you are not doing that, when your mindset shifts, you are able to show up more fully, more confidently. Are you conscious of choices that you make or things that you do to try to be in that mindset that's more productive for you? Conscience of decisions that I make to get into the mindset? Yeah. So I guess what I mean is if you recognize that there are times when you are gunking up the gears, so to speak, right? (laughs) (laughs) And times when you are not, are you aware of things that you can consciously or intentionally do to stay out of that unproductive mindset mindset and more in a space that is better for you? Um, yes. So what I do um, in the context of work is that I slow myself down and I prepare more. So, for example, I have an important meeting coming up with the collaborator, and I have to give a report on what it is um, my group has been working on. Um, And I know that somebody else is going to be there that uh, triggers my imposter syndrome. Um, I will just, I will spend extra time preparing well, first I realized that, oh, I know, I know who's going to kind of make me uncomfortable. Um, and then spend a little extra time just being with that and understanding that. And then also preparing. I love that you know that because I think that's really one of the keys to managing this whole experience is recognizing who and what those triggers are. If we don't have that awareness, then we don't have the ability to make those kinds of choices and intervene in ways that are going to allow us to better manage those situations. So the fact that you can say, this is a person who triggers my imposter syndrome, right? And I have a workaround for that. I think is such a, a great place for you to be in this whole journey that we're all on. <laughs> I have to say that um, I've done a lot of work um, in mindfulness and 
just paying attention and, oh, why is it I feel that way? Oh, first is like, oh, I feel that way. And then why, and then how to deal with it. And um, Mindfulness is, has been really life-changing for me. That is something that I think so many of us would benefit from, but we have such busy lives and we live with so much noise. And I know personally, that's been a challenge for me because I am always looking for external stimulation. I this, I'm maybe oversharing here, but I'm a news junkie. I'm always paying attention to the news updates that come in on my phone. I've always got a podcast or the news running in the background. I've got my kids coming at me from a million different directions, you know? So, so, and I know that we all have that stuff, right? Those things that are just taking up space in our minds and our ability to be present. And so we have to consciously slow down and ask ourselves, what is my priority and how do I create time for this kind of reflection or else it's never going to happen. It's not like someone's going to say, Oh, you know what, Kim, why don't you take the next hour to really get in touch with yourself and <laughs> recognize what those, those challenges are. Have you found it difficult to create space for that kind of thinking? Um, I, what I end up doing is finding somebody to work with on those things because I am not good at today from nine to nine 30, I will meditate. I'm really terrible with that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I find somebody else to work with, um, that because you can get, you can buy 20 million books on all kinds of stuff that you think you're going to read, or this is what I do. (laughs) I'm really good at collecting all this kind of material that I want to learn and not having time to sit down and read and distill it. And I find it more effective for me to find somebody else to work one-on-one with. That way the time is set aside. It's somebody that knows it and can get me closer to, you know, what it is exactly I need to know and work on specific areas without me trying to figure it out. I love that you brought that up because I think that is a challenge for so many of us, especially women that that tendency to seek out an academic approach to whatever challenges us and thinking that if I just read one more book on this topic or I go through another training or something, that that's going to give me what I need when in actuality, even if we did find time to read the books, which is a challenge in and of itself, right? It's not going to give us the clarity, the courage that we need to actually do something. And so taking action, however small, whatever that looks like is such an important step. And bringing another person into the mix is such a great way to do that too. From a motivation standpoint, from an accountability perspective, I think it's great that you found somebody that you can partner with on that it adds the human connection to like oh somebody else understands what I'm trying to learn and I'm not trying to go it alone yes which I think is such a challenge as we talk about this whole larger theme of imposter syndrome and of course one of the reasons why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place is 
that we're so reluctant to let people in. We look around and we make assumptions about other people and how much they have it together. And, you know, oh, that person seems to be handling things so much better than I do. And so we blame ourselves and we suffer in silence when in actuality, everybody virtually is having the same inner dialogue, right? Having the same internal struggles, but nobody wants to say it out loud. Nobody wants to be vulnerable enough to share it. And so having the courage to let other people in can make all the difference in our own experience and in supporting other people along the way. Mm -hmm. You're exactly right. I was just, um, last year, um, I had the opportunity to go on a, a retreat, a women's, women's leadership retreat. And one of our activities was to post what it is we're dealing with on post-it notes and stick it on the wall. And so there's like two or three big, um, big panels of everything that everybody was going on in their lives and what challenges and and we all went up and read it and it was just like most of us walked away like almost in tears number one like just understanding that we're all going through the same stuff and like how we talk to ourselves mm. and that really like the rest of the retreat was so much better because we all understood like, oh, we're all going through the same stuff and then we could open up about it and work through it together. That is so powerful. And there's just so much that unites us in that experience. And so we may see connections superficially among each other in certain work environments, different kinds of dynamics around us. But if we don't share what's going on underneath it all, how we're really experiencing challenges, how much harder it really is for us than it may look on the outside, mm-hmm. then we're not really creating authentic connections with other people, right? You know, I, we talk about the the social media issue with people strategically curating their lives so that, so that they look perfect, right? Nobody, nobody's sharing the pictures of their dirty dishes and <laughs> all the things that are really going on behind the scenes. So when we are in those situations where we naturally are looking around at other people and comparing ourselves to others, we're seeing such a different image of people than what's really going on. So I love that you were in a space that deliberately tore those walls down and acknowledged the fact that underneath it all, we're all going through the same stuff. Yep. And I think imposter syndrome is one of those things that if we're not open and honest about it and sharing that we're not going to be able to deal with it as effectively or at all, Um, if we're not able to be vulnerable about it. Absolutely. And it's so interesting how liberating it is when you do actually say it out loud, When when you do actually externalize those feelings and talk to other people about it. It dilutes the power so 
tremendously. I think that when we carry it around like a deep, dark secret, we fuel its power so much more. And then once you say it out loud and you realize, oh yeah, everybody feels that way. You're kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> got this. <laughs> so there's a question I, I always like to ask, which is if imposter syndrome were not an issue for you and you had 100% confidence 100% of the time, what would be different for you? Is there anything that you would or would not do differently? Oh gosh, that's a good question. I, what would I do differently if imposter syndrome was not an issue? I would get a lot more sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would be able to, um, I think I would be able to manage my team more effectively. I put a lot of energy into um what do other people want as opposed to um what i want um and it would be nice not to have to use that energy that other people take on other people <laughs> mm. yeah i would be much more um productive and healthier. I know it um, really impacts my stress levels. That's another really important point too, is the effect it has on us physically and emotionally is hard to quantify. It's pretty, pretty powerful. So what motivated you to want to tell your story today? What are you hoping that people will take away from it? Um, I, I've always been a sharer. <laughs> Um, and I think that to me, what success is, is helping other people be successful as well. Um, and I've had, I've had the luck of, you know, meeting and connecting with other people that helped me, um, have helped me through many things. Um, and I'm hopeful that, you know, me sharing my experiences will help other people as well. Um, and like I said earlier about, you know, imposter syndrome, like getting over it personally and helping others, um, you have to be able to talk about it and yeah, so that's my, that's my motivation. Thank you so much, Erica. This has been such a great conversation. I really appreciate your taking the time to, to talk with me about this today. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share it with other women who can benefit from this conversation. Before we go, I want to share some additional resources with you. If you struggle with with imposter syndrome and you want to manage it more effectively, I invite you to join my free imposter syndrome online challenge. Every day for seven days, you'll get an email with self-reflection questions and exercises to help you better understand your own experience with imposter syndrome and how to navigate it more effectively. To join the free challenge, visit executivecareersuccess.com slash imposter dash syndrome dash challenge. When you sign up, you'll immediately receive your first message. 
Also, if you're interested in joining a community of women who engage in candid conversations that generally aren't happening elsewhere, I invite you to join my Leading Women Discussion Group. On the first and third Thursday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern, we meet virtually over Zoom to talk about questions or challenges related to career management, leadership development, and any other relevant topics such as imposter syndrome and confidence. It's always a great discussion with a great group of women. If you want to check it out, you're welcome to be my guest on a future call. Just reach out to me at kim at executivecareersuccess.com and I will share the call details with you. And if you want to join my newsletter to receive tips, insights, and updates, text leading women, all one word, to 66866. Finally, consider telling us your story. Contact me to learn more about how you can be a guest on the Imposter Syndrome Files. Thanks again and have a wonderful day.